Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. Welcome, rugby fans. Episode 112 of the Rugby Rad Podcast Show. Again, my name is Ty, the Saffa Braga. Joining me is Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, in absence of Scott Ferrara, who won't be here on the show, but of course, in spirit. And you can follow him and us online under the handle at Rugby Rad Pod. But more importantly, what do we do first up? around the pitch so we'll be back with the hard-hitting important news that you should know as a rugby fan in our opinion so rob here we are as you know it's important to be able to tell fans at home those tuning in the news that we think they might have missed something that could be bumped up on their rugby radar what should they know rob Thanks, so Mike. I just want to let everybody... I just want to talk about an event that's going to be happening all over the Midwest, one week from when this airs, the weekend of the twelfth, the Midwest Fifteens Championships. A lot of stuff going on. Many cities playing host. We got Minneapolis, we got Finley, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Rochester, Minnesota, and we've got closer to Chicago, Milwaukee, Rockford, and of course my home pitch, Chicago Blaze Rugby Club, beautiful facility, Lamont, Illinois, all playing host to men's and women's 15s events. Some great rugby there, D men's D2, D3, D4, women's D1, D2, and it's all being brought to you by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, a supporter of Midwest Rugby. So we want to make sure we give them a shout-out and thank for the, them for rugby their support. in the Midwest. I love it. Yeah. Midwest rugby is going to be getting exciting over the next year uh, with rumors of our new team and much more rugby coming our way. Uh, Thanks for that one there, Rob. And I'm going to jump into the next rugby piece over here as we turn our attention to the domestic product here with Major League Rugby, in particular, Old Glory signing a new head coach. It's been interesting changes. We had actually a big change with uh, uh, one leaving last season, a new one kind of interim coach which was, you would know, uh, with Nola Gold. Um, uh, and then now we have to be able to re- uh, to introduce, I want to make sure I get it right, it's Joshua Josh Sims, formerly from the Magpies, that's Nork, uh, um, Hawke's Bay, uh, for those that know the NPC in New Zealand. So obviously a wonderful rugby resume. Formerly was uh, the assistant coach at the same organization in 2021, was actually promoted to the head coach position in the top tier domestic product for New Zealand at the NPC. So this now means that he will be coming across to uh, Old Glory to be able to continue his head coaching career. And I think that it comes as a really good time because, of course, Old Glory will be out to be able to correct some of the wrongs of last season's results. And they have a lot to be able to prove. They come up with some great signings, and this is one of those as they look ahead to the next season. Rob, what else do you have to be able to share? Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Midwest theme here, and I just want to throw a congratulations out to a young man that's worked his tail off. I watched him from the time he was in fourth grade slicing and dicing, um, you know, you know, little footy. Um, his name is Will Chevalier. Will has – he has taken that pathway that I think we're going to see more and more kids in the United States ta- uh, take to get to the Eagles level. Uh, Will is a product of, as I said, of Rugby Illinois, um, the, the uh, Naperville – 
uh, program there. The Nikwa Wildcats, uh, IU plays at Indiana. Uh, the Chicago Lions won a national championship and won a men's club MVP in the finals. Um, and then he was featured at Rugby Town in the USA U23s that never really lost to the Jesters. And now he's being honored um, with the senior men's sevens team going to Hong Kong. I just want to congratulate his mother, Lori, and his father, John. Both of them are friends of mine. Congratulations, Will. Well-earned, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. One of the great uh, young talents to be able to take up the reins for uh, the National Sevens program. Great to be able to see. And by the way, it was also in addition to that MVP record, MVP at Rugby Town Sevens too. Um, so definitely one uh, that is worth a highlight. And I want to highlight while we're on the topic of sevens, there's been a major shift in rugby in South Africa. Now, what does this really mean? Well, Rusty Erasmus being the eternal controversial nature that he is, uh, this is one that stirred and ruffled a few feathers, uh, Rob. Why? What am I talking about? Well, everybody knows that the Springbok rugby program and the men's side is a pride and joy of the sport. But on the women's side, traditionally has been a little bit more underserved and recent results showed that in the Rugby World Cup campaign in New Zealand for the women's Springbok rugby be our side in in retrospect they could have been better prepared in order to do that they need to be better funded it's the age-old story with the women's game need more funding we got the talent but we need to be able to nurture that so rugby in south africa has made the bold choice to be able to change the pecking order when they dish out the dollars from the wallets what do I mean? It goes right now as the top of the pile is, of course, the men's Springboks rugby program. Traditionally, next up would have been the Blitzbok, which is the National Sevens program on the HSB Sevens uh, circuit. Now, for the first time, as we move forward, there will be a massive shift in the funding that the women's program will be next in line after the men's program, downgrading the Blitzbok program to third in line. This has ruffled a few feathers. I, on the other hand, happen to be able to take the more positive stance and think that the rugby community as a whole will benefit from a greater rugby product from the women's game and engage new audiences. So I think that it's something special. Of course, time will tell. And with the time, in, I, I think that in mind, it is now time to turn our attention to be able to highlight one of our partners who help us do what we do here week after week on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. And shortly after that, we'll be back introducing a special guest, J.D. Stevenson, CEO, of course, of the Montana Institute of Sport joining us for the rent. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. 
Tidehead, it's worth more than a try. Welcome rugby fans, it's that time again to join us here on the Rugby Rant, this time around episode 112. That's right, it's been an incredible journey and that journey continues here with of course the familiar faces. My name is Ty, Ty Braga, of course known as the Sapper, in addition to my colleague who of course is known as the Hammer, you know him, Rob Hammerschmidt, and joining us here to be able to take the place of Scott is of course J.D. Stevenson, returning to the show i believe jd welcome to the show again gents thanks for having me it's uh it's a pleasure to be on here well it's important that we remind folks why are we here and hot topic for this month of course has been the women's rugby world cup it has been tremendous action we've been following it week after week with the usa and canada in mind as we represent north american rugby in both forms in every form of rugby that we've come to enjoy and i know you as fans have continued to be able to enjoy it because you've been following it and telling us about it online over the handle rat rugby rant but more importantly this week presented another unique opportunity where the same two sides met each other in back-to-back competition it's it's you know it wasn't supposed to happen but it meant that the seventh seed and the second seed just coincidentally happened to be the usa and canada but canada of course came out the victors last time around to that final pool b matchup so you could argue that the usa were out to prove something in this quarterfinal they had to come out strong and punch them in the mouth, as Scott would say. I love how he says that all the time, but he says it with much more vigor <laughs> than I do. It must be that New York style. Yeah. Um, so, so more importantly, gentlemen, we're here to be able to talk about that matchup. And, of course, as we turn our attention to the next matchup, what will we be looking for in that semifinal from Canada? Now, as a reminder to our fans, we've got JD and we've got Rob who are going to compete to be able to put forth the best points, what they think is most important that you should know as fans, what do they think is the next steps forward, and at the end, we might find out who is the winner. Who decides that? Me. Does it count? No. <laughs> but it's still going to be good fun, and that's why we're all here in, of course, the Rugby Rant. And it's time to rant. So, so uh, before we dive into it, JD, you're going to be first up. The score was 32 to 11 in this matchup that, of course, let Canada succeed and proceed into the semifinal where they will face England. But what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, so... I thought there was about four points of difference. Um, the first one for me was the set piece. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, the, there's an old adage, right? Like the game is won up front. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, there was always consistently front football from the set piece. So a lineup and the scrum from the Canadians, you know, was great. Put a lot of pressure on the attack um, for the US. Um I thought, you know, that was, that was quite big. And I mean, if we look forward to say in England, for example, I mean, the, the set piece is so important in the game, especially with the conditions that we've seen in New Zealand. Um, I thought the transition play was something that was lacking from the U S so the kick chase, uh, mm-hmm. kick receipts and turnover ball. Um, Canada seemed to be able to exploit the transitional play between kicks, 50, 22s, 
uh, be able to find grass on their kicking exchange. Um, I thought their attack too. So once we were able to get, uh, Canada was able to get two passes outside of the US, um, that's when holes started to open up. We were a little bit too narrow in defense and, and you could look at their actual overall fitness. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was 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 pretty interesting point. And then the other part too was just uh, Canada actually varied up their attack. So a lot of, uh, a lot of more, a lot direct in, the, in their first matchup um, as seen by the game line stats. I think, uh, you know, Canada was at 68% game line win. We were at 45%. They had nine line breaks versus our one and eight offloads. So they're able to vary up their attack and actually look to come back down the short side and, and, and got a little bit of uh, got a little bit of um, reward that way. So uh, yeah, those kind of four key points for me. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of people that would agree with you. And to revisit some of those interesting points, I don't want the stat to be lost inside that good stuff. Nine line breaks to one is what you said? Correct, yeah. Right, and that, so, and that seems to be a similar story in, in comparison to the other games too, um, that, you know, I think it was eight and two in the, in the last matchup. So there's definitely, definitely room for improvement there. Um, but it sounds to me that, that it, you feel that is if, no, it's not how well did Canada do. It's the areas of improvement that USA need to focus on. And that's kind of important, right? Because they've got a lot of room to be able to grow. You know, they unfortunately have ended their road, but there's many lessons from this. And you pointed out some of those areas to focus on uh, as they move forward. So thank you for that contribution there. Let's hand it over to Rob the Hammer, Hammerschmidt. Yeah, well, I'm out because JD did such a damn good job um, <laughs> characterizing what what need to be worked on. Now, uh, I agree with a lot of those things and a lot of those points. I'll touch upon a few things um, and expound maybe on some of those. Mm-hmm. I thought the United States played in the first half, the game that they needed to play. We knew that Canada right. was going to be a tough team. They're very well balanced. I mean, they have a good set of forwards. They have a real nice back three. Um, and I think it's uh, Peltier is pretty good at delivering the ball. And uh, Tessier, their 10, I believe that's their 10, is is really sharp. She can vary the attack. So we were up against a buzzsaw in Canada for the second week in a row. Um, but I thought the, the United States meant that in the first half with physicality. I thought they right. put a lot of pressure on Canada in the first half. That's really stunted the momentum that Canada would produce, especially in the attack, you know, inside the, the Canada's attacking 22 um, you know, I thought, uh, the, the USA used their forwards real well. Um, we saw that with the first try of the game, Kitlinski, uh, the hooker for the United States with the opening try, a few pick and goes, and we put it in, um, you know, we thwarted their attack, even in the 78th minute when Canada was put pressure on to put another try on the board. Um, you know, uh, we thwarted that, but, um, you know, we, uh, to JD's point, I think we were outclassed in terms of our fitness. Um, one of the major tries, I think it was Tessier's, uh, no, sorry, it was uh, their number 11's try um, that really kind of put the icing on the cake for them. Um, you know, the, the overlap was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, come, you know, came through the centers, found a soft shoulder, made a nice line break and was able to dot it down. Um, you know, when, right. when Tessier scored, uh, you know, we just didn't, we didn't loop around. Um, and and uh, get around the fringes of that ruck fast enough to get any support on the left on the, the Canada's left side, and that allowed for a, a huge gap to be opened up for her just to dot it down with right. ease. So, um, I thought Canada was more dynamic in their attack in the backs than the United States. We were too linear. Linear. We, were, you know, 
relied too much on on uh, Kelter just to break tackles rather than to develop continuity and, mm-hmm, and ball mm-hmm. in hand. So you know, we and, have and some like things to work you, on. Yeah, I like that you that you brought up some really great points there. You dived into it a little bit more. Farries was the name you're looking at for for the number yeah. eleven, and this kind of goes back to one of your points originally, JD. Is you said that we might have been positioned a little bit too narrow in our defensive channels, uh, and then you know Canada had the ability to be able to kind of just go through the phases, suck in the defense, and as soon as an opportunity to present it on its outside, as Rob pointed out, Farries was there to be able to collect it quite nicely and convert. Um, but I felt that Canada came this time around with what we thought was going to be more of the same, the physicality um, that we come to know, the driving malls off the lineup. And yes, they produced a great try with that again, but we had seen them use it more often. This time around, they were pulling in the defense. They were going through phases up to 9, 10 and playing good, solid basics in in, in contact areas, um, reaching the gain line, exceeding it consistently. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy that I saw something different that would suggest that the USA might have also been playing a slightly different game plan, but that one didn't work for them. But there are a lot of people who look at it as a tale of two halves is the cliche, and the scoring was only four points adrift between the two, a score of 12 right. to 8 uh, at the end of the first half. Rob, you pointed out something really interesting, and we're going to go back to it now, and I'm going to throw this back at you, and I'm going to set it up first. Kelter was the name you said. Who said we relied a little bit too much on her physicality to be able to break the uh, the vantage line? It obviously didn't happen as much. She did a great job on the boot, but when she left the field with the yellow card, we see ten points that were immediately come to come the way. So, do you really think that she's that pivotal a player? Do you think that was the moment the game changed for the USA? I don't. I don't know about the game change. I think it slowly started to change over the course of the first the the first ten to fifteen minutes of that mm-hmm. first half. Um, or sorry, second, second half. half. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I, I and I love a love Kelter. I think she does a lot of things really well. I just you know with somebody that's as physical as her, she needs to find the soft shoulder, maybe break a tackle or two, and then immediately be looking for an offload. Um, mm-hmm. Hanga Tao and and her are both physical players. It would have been right. nice to see a, a, again. Going back to the point I was making earlier with dyna, you know more dynamic backline play, right. perhaps a, a player that is a little bit more shifty um, mm-hmm. that can slice and knife through those gaps. Right. With a it's like you, you get the feeling that 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 partnership still has to mature something. You know, yeah. I mean, Hanga Tao is young. I think she's the youngest uh, women's player that's ever that's ever been featured in a world cup if i'm not mistaken mm. mistaken so um you know it's not surprising that it's gonna you know that we're gonna have to see that partnership develop but i would like to see kelter do a little bit more looking to either side uh, right. for opportunities to offload yeah and that's going to keep the play dynamic as you said keep it moving forward and that's something that canada seemed to do a little bit better and you pointed out out jd yeah so, mate, so that <clears throat> Sorry, but just jumping on you, mate. Yeah, just, uh, you know, we, we talked about being dynamic in attack, right? And I think that one of the, you know, the pillars of our game is continuity. I mean, mm-hmm. eight offload, eight offloads to one, Yeah, right? Like that's right. pretty telling. Um, you know, we, I think we were, we were very, we were very narrow in our attack and defense. And, and in terms of, you know, Hammer made a point saying kind of when, when you thought the tide shifted. I mean, for me, if you look at that try that was conceded in the 56 minute, where it was a pick and go, pick and go at the post, right. they stop him, and then the ten scores unmarked right. through one phase. I mean, you can throw a blanket over the whole team in terms of their 
you know, where their defensive shape was. Yeah, the positioning. I mean, mm. Inside the 22, right? You can be almost, yeah. you can be 15 up, right? So it just kind of shows you kind of two things. The way in which we were defending and our fold policy, the other part too right. was was our ability for repeated efforts, right? Which is our conditioning. And and look, we, we can talk about, you know, preparation. We can talk about them, you know, the women's game is underfunded and, and, and the support that these teams get, right? It is tougher to be conditioned for these events. Um, but that, for me, that broke the back, right? Like when your team was gassed and then you're having to play from behind um, and you weren't as dynamic as the Canadian play, it makes it tough. You know, what's, yeah. And what's interesting, JD, the point that you make, uh, and I think it's uh, I think it's important to recognize, I mean, it's not like we're talking about an English team, you know, where next week England's going to bring it. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to get too much into that, but, but, you know, those guys are all, and those ladies are all professionals. Right. And so you can, and, and, you know, their calendar is built pretty well around their structure and their season and, and their form. Right. So we'd expect that, but Canada's not really in all that different position as the United States in terms of bringing players back from Europe, you know, back mm-hmm. from the highest levels to get together, to have a camp, to create continuity and do all those things. I mean, we're really not that in a different place, but, you can see that Canada is just a notch above um, where we're at. And that would be seven to get to, uh, to be precise with seven losses in a row against that competition head to head. But it is a relevant point though. Obviously England is going to be a colossal mountain to be able to yeah. summit. Um, and so let's turn our attention for the moment to that as we've reviewed the USA Canada matchup. What does Canada now have to do as they look ahead to that semifinal matchup? Yeah, Maybe. you go ahead. And yeah, go. yeah, no, mate. I, I think um, you know, I, I it, it's funny, right? Like, I, I hate to, I hate to discredit, you know, a very, very good Canadian performance. I just think that England right. is so dominant. Um, but for for a lack of better expression, right? Like, Canada is almost like a an England B in terms of their approach. Sure. Canada, Canada's, uh, you know, Canada has a great upfront presence. They've got a strong kicking game. Um, and they are actually quite dynamic in the outside backs. I mean, England has all of that, but then also, you know, a world-class kicking game between the halves. I mean, their, their halfbacks are absolutely class. Um, and then they've got midfielders, to Hammer's point around a left, is that can actually play quite direct or they, mm-hmm. can, they can beat you to the outside and, and actually... Right, they can know, change the lines second, of attack very easily. And, and, and double as a second receiver. So, in all honesty, I think that... Um, you know, it, it's tough, right? It's very easy to say, look, control territory um, and then defend in which the way Canada did um, because at the end of the day, they have been defending quite well in pool play and, and twice against us. So um, I think that, you know, they seem to be well conditioned. They've got a very good back row. Um, if they can win the collision and actually play some some decent territory, I mean, there's a chance. I mean, if I'm a betting man, though, absolutely right. Like England looks completely dominant though right now in, in the early stages. Are you are you bold enough to make a prediction here? Yeah, I, I think England wins it. I think I think England. Are you prepared to I, be able to say a points difference? <laughs> uh, against in the in the Canada game, I, I think it's yeah. I would look at I would look at I would say uh, I reckon thirty. It'll be thirty to seventeen. I'm going to say. Okay, that's that's a 13 point difference, which I actually was going to go for a little bit of a wider margin to tell you the truth. But (laughs) (laughs) but 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 maybe you're right, because they've got 
you know, and not to be seen cocky, but teams in this position and knockout rugby makes it interesting is how do you use your players and when do you use them? So we might see a slightly different England setup. You know, I'm being cynical here that mm-hmm. we might see on, on another matchup, um, you know, with the with a final being predicted for them. But I'm curious. I'm not going to dive into that. That's that's above w- w- what we're talking about here. Let's hand it over to Rob to hear what you think about the next matchup for Canada as they look ahead to England. Well, I think Canada's got to play to their strengths, and that's dominant forward play. I mean, now, let's take that with a grain of salt. We understand that England has some pretty dominant forwards as well. But, you know, they have to use that maul. Uh, they have to, you know, create opportunities for penalties, kick that ball into the corners, work the rolling maul, score right. the tries. I almost think to an extent I would I would like to see Canada maybe slow the game down a bit as much as they can, you know, mm-hmm. slow down that dynamic attack of England. And um, wh- what I might be inclined to do is, is harry uh, the scrum half at the ruck breakdown a bit more by con- not contesting every ruck, but by being a bit more selective at when they can contest a ruck and slow down the, the, the attacking ball, right? If you can, mm-hmm. if you can slow down that ball, you can, there are fit teams so they can get their, their structures out defensively and defend against that next phase, right? If they allow England to recycle that ball quickly, um, then it's right, going to create some problems I think, over, the, over the course of the uh, Yeah, because the they can, the they can be lethal. And we spoke about transitional play, England being among the best in the women's game. So yeah, it's going to be about making sure that they control those, those areas. I do agree. I like the idea of, of focusing on perhaps slowing the game down for Canada in certain areas. Uh, hopefully they will have the opportunity to be able to drive that ball deep into touch of setting up the rolling mall. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. And for fans that are back home, perhaps you want to tell us what you think uh, the score line is most likely going to be. And again, you can tell us by following us online under the handle at rugby rant pot. We'd love to be able to hear what you think about our thoughts. Tell us what you think the score line might be, and perhaps you might be, be right. And uh, in that case, you will win nothing except the bragging rights. But, uh... <laughs> if I, if I could just uh, add two things, I didn't get my score sure. line. I'm going to go pretty bold and oh, I'm going to say right. uh, England wins by 30. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I think they're going to put the points on and they're going to put the pressure on. And they've won 28 games in a row, right? That's, right. that's pretty yeah. dominant. Um, for any side, right? And one thing I think fans should watch for is watch how different the kicking in is in the women's game versus the men's game. A lot of times you really find them shoot for territory and and get that kick, you know, that ball out, um, you know, into touch. And sometimes, you know, in its best attempt that the women's game makes, they just don't get it as far Mm -hmm. or they don't find touch. And you see a lot lot of deep, um, you know, attacking play from the, from the, you know, back three. And that's fun to watch. It's a fun brand to run. It's also exhausting. And that's why they're tired in the last 20. (laughs) But it is exciting rugby. And and I'm sure people already know if they've been following us week after week, this is some of the best rugby that you will see at the highest level, uh, regardless of whether it be the women's game or not. It's great rugby. It's an entertaining product. The Roses, as we mentioned, 28 wins in a row, have now also been elevated to being able to receive the honor of playing Twickenham at 
itself, which is traditionally the great RFU uh, home uh, for the men's game. So, and, and what warrants that is the attendances. We've had a broken attendance records in New Zealand in excess of 34,000. Um, we continue to be able to see numbers rising up and up and up. Greater sponsors because they are getting better. The product is great and you should be paying attention to it if you're not already are. Gentlemen, Thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to dive into this one. And let's recap very quickly on that, looking ahead to the next game. Both of you seem to agree that it's England that will largely be the favorites as they have been thus far throughout the tournament. Rob, on one hand, thinks that the scoreline is going to be as much as 30 between the two. You being a little bit more modest, JD, with only a 13-point difference, which in some cases, if it is true, is probably a win in its own right. (laughs) However, we will be watching watching earnestly and wishing our ladies on as they take on the bear the torch for the North American sides remaining in this contest at the Rugby World Cup 2021, of course, in New Zealand. And uh, before we go, there is a bit of a tradition. JD, we've of course mentioned it to you, but we want to mention it to our fans that it is important we give every one of our guests the opportunity to talk about something very special to them. And in my introduction, I should have also mentioned that you are, in fact, the CEO of the Montana Institute of Sport. And I wanted you to be able to tell fans, what does that mean and what do you do with that? Perfect. Right. So uh, first, fellas, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, why is this Why is this important to me? We're a nonprofit here that's based in the state of Montana, um, and, and we look to get behind and, and support targeted sports, um, which in, in reality is rugby, right? So we, we want to see rugby be a varsity sport in the state for both boys and girls um, at the high school level. Um, we believe that we have the people here and, and the athletes that could become the players. Um, and we think we can be a pivotal part of the, the ecosystem that can provide quality players and, and provide another avenue for kids that can get to college um, hopefully higher on as MLR onto the Eagles, you know, make Olympic team. So, um, yeah, for more information, come and check out our website, uh, montanainstituteofsport.org, um, or just give us a quick Google search. Um, we're always looking for people that, that want to support us any which way, come volunteer and, and help us grow the sport in the state. Um, yeah, we, we think it, we can be a little powerhouse here and up in the mountains. So, Appreciate your time and uh, and thanks for having me on, fellas. It's, hey, it's a great. You know, I, I rarely get to share the screen with a heavyweight of your caliber, so it was oh, it was it was genuinely a, a blast to hear what you had to say uh, and reflecting upon this uh, this match from last week. I appreciate it, Emma. Thanks for having me on. I, th- I think that's Rob conceding the win to you. Um. <laughs> no, I was just actually contrasting um, contrasting uh, this guest with uh, uh, a normal um, our, our normal every weekend uh, guest, uh, uh, analysis. No, I appreciate it. You know, and, and and all jokes aside, though, it is tremendous to be able to see uh, somebody like yourself putting in as much as you want to be able to kind of grow the rugby uh, scene, um, but focusing on it from a grassroots level all the way through to senior and helping people create a pathway in a place that it doesn't necessarily, hasn't been forged just yet. So thank you for that effort. And fans of the show, please go out and, and, and find them online. You know, no matter what your contribution will be, I'm sure it's valuable. No 
contribution is too small. Um, and that's how we're going to be able to build the next generation of superstars to be able to take the field and represent the red, white, and blue, right? Um, but more importantly, rugby as a whole wins, not just one particular region when we ad- adopt uh, that mentality as a rugby community we're growing. So thank you for doing your part there, JD. And again, make sure that you check them out online and follow the organization. Again, that is the Montana Institute of Sport. So without further ado, it's time to be able to crown a winner, a top ranter. And you know what? On this occasion, I am actually going to hand it over to JD. Congratulations on your win. Thank you very much. Nothing else matters <laughs> in life except this. No, and look, you're a man of few it. words. I like it. That's, yeah. Look. <laughs> We're at the point where we need to wrap things up. So, uh, no, I appreciate the win. And, and uh, I, I'm just glad, yeah, it's, it's good to talk rugby. And it's a shame we weren't talking about a U.S. win. But, um, you know, still talking rugby all the same. So Exactly. You're the first guest, by the way, that has um, that has corrected us that we're running late. <laughs> yeah, I know that's fine. Listen, you told me 20 minutes. So I'm trying to keep it short and concise. Like no extra time, boys. No extra time. Hey, I'm a coach, man. I'm a coach. We're deta- you know. Time's key, so yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And that's why you it's good that you're in charge driving because you know what yeah. you need one person to make sure you keep everybody on track, exactly. right? Exactly. I so. like it. So again, JD, it's been a pleasure. Thanks to my colleague as well, Rob Habishmith, for joining us here. And of course, my name is Ty, Ty Braga, known as the Sapper. In absence of our colleague as well, I'll say thanks on the behalf of Scott Ferrara. You know him as the big guy. We are, of course, on the rugby ramp, but what we do is not done without your support. So continue being able to do that. You can follow us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. We'll release new episodes weekly for your benefit as the rugby fan. Why? Because we aim to grow rugby one fan at a time and we'll continue doing that week after week with your help and that on that note we'll see you next time What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.